16. This is good. Church is not something that you go to, right? I think we've heard that, but is that right? <laughs> is that, thanks, thanks, Craig. <laughs> it's a, it's, we are the body of Christ. We sing about it. We're family. We're called out ones. We've got to get beyond that. We can. And we will, right? Come on now. So last week we went, uh, talked about the backside of John chapter 17. The end of John 17 would probably be the better way to say that. I'm going to read this verse again. I'm going to fill in a couple things that, I'm going to just share a couple things that we talked about last week, in case you weren't here. And then we're going to go all the way back to the beginning, because I think there's some really cool things about the beginning of John 17. Um, but the point that many people get to whenever we get to John 17 and share a lot of, and I said last week, sometimes I get tired of hearing messages about it, so I thought I would do one of my own. Um, yeah, that's just, anyways. 17.22, the glory that you have given me, this is Jesus, <clears throat> I have given them so that they may be one as we are one. We've been singing about that this morning, right? I in them, you and me, that they may become completely one. So literally, the Father, uh, Jesus is crying out that we would have the same oneness that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have. That's amazing. Um, but why? Why, do, why does he want us to have that? And he says, so they may, they may become completely one wise, so the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you've loved me. And I've heard a lot of messages about this, as I said last week. Um, but I think a lot of times we kind of are in this, like, abstract idea, like, what is, oh, yes, we love each other. And because we love each other, the world's going to know that you know me. And so practically, if that's the case, and we're doing a great job with it, man, I kind of grunted whenever I bent down that time. What the heck? Like, think, back, think of our lives. When was the last time someone saw the love that we had for one another and came to know the Lord? Maybe we know a lot. I don't know. Like, right? So we can, if not, we can grow. Like, if we can see this, this is what's been on my heart. Because I've started to see some of this take place, and I'm like, wow, this is actually true. But what does it practically look like to do this, right? Like, it's easy to say, I love you. But, like, what does it mean to actually love people? What does it mean to, to walk in this love that Jesus is like, be unified, be as one, so, the world, so we, the world can know that Jesus is actually the Messiah and know that the Father loves them. So what does that look like? And so a couple things I had mentioned last week, I really enjoy <coughs> verse 21 that says uh, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. And then it again says, so the world may believe that you sent me. And that just really stood out last week because... The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit had perfect community. And I know that it's a rerun a little bit, but I'm just going to share this again. Had perfect community. Why would they want to break that community? Like, but in their perfect community, they decided to open up themselves to imperfect people so that then we can be, become, be made perfect, right? And so if we want to be as the Father and Son and Holy Spirit are, our communities that we have with one another have got to be open communities. And it's really hard, as I said last week, because I'm going to tell you something. I have some really cool guys I like to hang out with, and I don't know. I don't want anyone messing with that. Anyone ever experienced that? Like, you know, there's some personalities that you just go great with and some that just rub you the wrong way. And I think sometimes in an effort to protect this thing that we have, we end up unintentionally even closing ourselves off and the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit never did that to us. Um, and so 
you know, what does that look like? And I guess we can all ask ourselves that. What does it look like in my workplace or in my uh, here at Stones River with people here or, or different places like that? So the the idea that we've got to be that we've got to open back up to that, open up to, because that, that's, it's scary, it's risky, <laughs> it requires trust in God, it requires all this stuff to open up and say, okay, who else, because we mentioned this, I talked to someone, I thought about this last week, I talked to someone a couple weeks ago who just said, you know, I've been in church for a long time, actually two people, actually, it's f- so funny, for a long time, and I am so lonely, I am so lonely, and i I've this one of the persons got really frustrated and did some really funny stuff, but he probably shouldn't have done. Um, but, um, but I mean, the reality was is like, how can we be in be in church for such a long time in a community and have this loneliness? And I think that a lot of it has to do with. I mean, there's so many, not a lot of it. There's so many different reasons, but sometimes we just get into our comfort circles and we forget. Hey, we can do more to invite other people to be into this, so that the world may know that you sent me in the second part to that before I get into the beginning of 17 is he says so the world may see and know well if we're not out in the world then they'll never see it <laughs> and they'll never know it if we isolate ourselves to coming to a church building on Sundays and that's it then when does the world see that we love each other right when if we're not intentionally in community together walking with one another out if we're only doing an isolation they can't see it either right we're never meant to do that but if we, if we can build into our lives intentionally having places that we go to at, with, with community, with two, three, four people, and just hang out and be intentional about loving people, I bet you're going to be like, what in the world? God, I can't believe that you did this, right? It may take some time, but as you do it, it'll blow, it'll blow your mind. It, he, 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 he does that. And I, would, I, I just encourage that. I'll give you an encouragement. Go, something, go to something you enjoy doing. That would actually probably make it a little bit more fun, huh? I mean, go ask the Holy Spirit, right? But hey, I'm not complaining about smoking hookah. I don't really smoke hookah, actually, but I don't, I don't complain about hanging out with my boys, right? If you enjoy playing racquetball, go get some people and start playing racquetball. If you enjoy eating, go to eat. I'd recommend finding a, I'd recommend finding a local place where you can get to know the owners and stuff like that, you know, not some place where it's hard to get to know people. And just go, hey, Let's, why don't we once a week, every other week, get together and go to this place and try to get to know people and stuff like that, right? Anyway, that's what we talked about last week. So let's look at John 17, 1. But before we do that, I just want to really quick open, does anyone have anything that they would like to share based on what we talked about last week? Tr- failures, successes, you know, we talked, about, we talked about what I'm sharing, this being one and letting the world, did anyone experience anything they want to share? No pressure. Yeah, David? Can I have two? Just one. (laughs) Um, What John was saying just sparked off a memory. Um, Young people, especially, this is for everybody, but for our young people, you don't realize how much of an impact you really make on your peers. Trudy and I moved to Canada and this was in 1986, and we were instantly put to work at a Christian camp. And as the week went through, we had our devotionals, and we had some 
boys and girls that were sent to us from um, the Boys and Girls Club, um, they were in family situations that were not the best and they needed a break and they came. And one young lady came up to me and says, uh, David, would you baptize me? And I said, well, yeah, but let's, let's talk. And so we were talking and I said, what, what pushed you to, to this? What brought you to this, this moment? And she says, well, this is my third year at camp. And I just want the joy that I see in other people. And it, was the, it wasn't the great devotionals that we had planned. It wasn't the arts and crafts. All that was cool stuff. But all the boys and girls that were in that camp had a joy to their lives for who they were in Christ. And someone from a totally different environment, a totally different circumstance, that lesson was what stood out with her for three straight years. And so I just want to let you know that you have the impact. This week, I was told by the spouse of a fellow teacher, Mr. B, I want to thank you so much. My husband has needed you in his life. And I'm just like, uh, I'm just being a friend. You know, I'm just being a co-teacher. I'm just, you know, what she says, but I got, you know, the husband said, I got to get to work early. Why? We started a prayer session, a prayer time, and he wanted to be a part of it. And with COVID and everything, you know, I was just, I was just being me. So, I mean, I'm not trying to do this. I'm trying to say is that you don't have to be this super spiritual person that walks around with the Bible open all the time. Live out your walk with people and they will notice. Wow, I love that, David. Thank you so much for sharing. You know, yes. Do you want to get on this? Okay. That's amazing. I was wondering what that was when I came in the other day. I don't know. Maybe we need to do something for the brothers. Fantastic. So if you didn't hear that, there's uh, there'll be envelopes back there for the Secret Sisters. Is that what you call it? Right. So I would encourage all the ladies to participate in that. That sounds awesome. 
That sounds exciting. Thank you all for sharing that. Um, I think David's really right about the young folks. I was reading an article this week about friendships and stuff. Do you know when you're at your most popular peak in life, just about? 23. So, Seth, you're past your prime, bro. You're done past it now. I thought you were 24. Never mind. You're the most popular you've ever been. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not, actually. It's probably a year or so, so ago, right? Um, but you don't rec- I just say that for the younger folks, to r- just to encourage you. Like, you have probably more friends, more contacts. You're around more people who don't know the Lord in an easier, uh, very organic place, like school and hobbies and different things like that. You can really make a huge impact for the Lord. It's just incredible, incredible. For us older folks, we got to really be intentional about trying to find communities and stuff like that because, you know, uh, it's a little bit harder, you know. So actually, one of the guys that I talked to is in his 60s and told me I have no friends. said, I have my wife and I have family and we spend time together, is what he said to me. He said, but I I recognized the other day that I am 60-something years old and I have no friends. I was like, there are tons of people like that that are just waiting for us to, like, recognize and s- invite them to be part of community um, and just hang out with them. And I was thinking about this. Like, if you're, like, really, for some of us, we love one-on-one, right? Like, a lot of the introverts, like, love to be one-on-one because it's just you can get deeper, faster, and stuff like that. For some people, it's more uncomfortable. Hey, it's, I was thinking about this today. Like, it doesn't always have to be one-on-one. You know that, Right. Like, you can be like, hey, Seth, can you go with me? Because I'd like to spend some time with this person. And honestly, I'm just a little bit nervous <laughs> about it. Um, and sometimes that can be really good, too, because they can get to know more people. So anyways, there's just so many cool ways to, to get to know folks. But let's be on the, on the lookout for those types of people, um, among others. But sometimes I talk more about so much about persons at peace, I forget that God says he puts the lonely in families. Um, he sets the prisoners free to sing. Oh, man. That, get, that verse gets me, that psalm gets me. <clears throat> so let's look at John 17, 1. It starts off by saying, after Jesus spoke these words, a good preacher would go back and look at those words. I'm not today because we've been going along <laughs> too much. I'll just encourage you to go look at the words <laughs> that he says. It's about persecution, but I've come that you would have peace, and I've overcome the world, and a lot of really cool stuff like that. So I guess I did say a few of those words. He looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. I'll just stop there for a second. Um, what I love about this beginning section is if we talk about how we can live as one together, Jesus says, What in that prayer that we read earlier? Be one as we are one. So now we get to see a little bit of a model of the way the Father and the Son interact with one another. I think it's cool. Like, I love John 17 and stuff because we're seeing this Jesus talk and, and, and the way that they respond and the way they treat one another. And so Jesus first off starts off here by saying, glorify me, which we don't see a lot of Jesus saying that, right, in the, in, the, in the scriptures. But he says, right now at this point, glorify me. But there's a reason why he's going to say, so why does Jesus say, glorify me? Why does he want to be glorified? It feels good to be glorified, right? Like, right, I'm just being honest. When you're honored, lift it up. That's what he's saying, lift me up, honor me. There's a reason why he wants to be there. But it's not selfish, this is the whole, Ben talked about, the whole right-side-up kingdom, the whole way, like, the, so different than the ways of this world. So the ways of this world is be glorified so that people can look at you and go, you're awesome and you're amazing and, and you puff yourself up. But Jesus says, Father, glorify me. Why? So that the Son may glorify you. 
So what we're seeing is we're seeing the Father bringing glory to the Son. Isn't this an amazing relationship? Bringing glory to the Son so that the Son can then glorify the Father. Think about our relationships. Think about what we show the world if we begin to live out that type of love. That one person is giving something so that the other person can give it right back to them. <laughs> and you're just caring so much for one another. I thought about this like kind of practically. I know I mentioned um, when you live things out, like it really just, the scripture's out, it really just kind of stands, uh, stands out in your mind. When we were in Pennsylvania at the, um, that conference thing that we were doing a month or so ago, Sean was given a slot to speak. And uh, he was honored in having a slot. There's some really cool people speaking at this thing. And what I love about what I've learned a lot from Sean is Sean has taught me to live what I teach. And I'm, he's probably, he's better, not probably, he's better than I am at it. <laughs> but because Sean lives family and community and lifting one another up, when he took that slot to speak, he spoke for a few minutes and then had all of us get up and share. So, so-and-so would share something, so-and-so so would share. He was using this honor, this glory, to actually glorify and bring God honor through the body and through all of us. And I'll tell you, we had people that came up to us afterwards and said, I wasn't even caring for this meeting until I saw, until you guys had your session. Because I saw a brotherhood, and this was, th- there's no glory to me here, I didn't do it. So, <laughs> brotherhood, a camaraderie, a, like, that's the way the body's supposed to work, it looks like, Right? It's not just a person, one person or two people. Like, it's like, this is what it looks like. This is what community looks like. And it was just like, I saw this in it. I saw what Jesus and the Father do in Sean whenever he took his glory, his honor, and began to just pass it. And I recognized, man, I want to be like that. Like, I just started thinking, Sean, I want to be more like you. I want to take what God given. And when I, when I receive something, my first thought be, how can I help others with it? How can I honor my brothers and sisters with it? How can I empower my brothers and sisters with what I've been given? The Father gives him glory. The Son may glorify you. Why? Why does he want to to do this? It says since or because you have given him authority over all people. So the Father not only was giving Jesus glory, but the Father, you see the word give all through this, by the way. Ben, we've talked about that a lot. For God so loved the world, he gave. Like, this is what love looks like. It looks like giving. It doesn't look like taking. And when you take, it's to give. (laughs) It just flows in and out. So when you receive something, it's to give. When God gives us something, it's so that we can give it to other people. That's it. It's not so we can just sit around and be like, look how great a prophet I am. That's stupid. Like, it's so that you can encourage and edify the body. That's the whole point, right? And so that he gives him authority over all people, which to me goes, wow, the father and son, the father has to have an awful lot of trust in the son because the authority that we're going to see is really powerful authority. We'll read that here in a second. But he has got to trust the son to say, I trust you with this authority, which means the son then has to be trustworthy, which may ask me the questions, am I trustworthy? And I'm a person who, who trusts others, who has relationships that I can trust others, or am I trying to control things too much? I've got a really good friend that's a great businessman. I'm a great business-minded person who struggles because he won't let go. (laughs) He won't train people up and let go because he wants things to be done a particular way. And I'm like, bro, you're so smart in all these other areas. You have to let go. And the father was willing to let go. 
and we have to do that. If we want to empower each other and build up the body, we've got to, grow, we've got to be able to let go. We've got to be able to let go of authority. Father, let go of authority. That's, that's, this is the chat in, in, in the church, there's a lot of, it's, it's just, there can be struggles because we end up with these bottlenecks of leadership and authority where we have to learn that when we have the authority, it's not for us. <laughs> it's for others. It's to serve others. It's to lift others up. It's not so someone goes, wow, John, you're such a great person. I, that's, no. Like, any kind of authority that we have, and we all have that relational authority in people's lives, by the way, right? Know that you do. So he gives them the authority, and what is this authority that he gives them? This is incredible. He has given him authority over all people for what? To give eternal life to all whom you've given me. If you had the power to give eternal life, you'd have to trust someone an awful lot to hand over the authority and power to give eternal life to somebody else. That is, that's, this is love. Like what we're seeing with the Father and the Son, we're seeing love. This is real love. This is heart, gut-wrenching, man, man, I'm, oh, I'm going to give up this authority. I don't know if the Father felt like that, but it would be like that for us. Oh, man, can I do this? Can I trust this person? But he gives this authority to give eternal life to the Son. So the Son has that authority, it says. But verse 3 is so powerful, and it, re- and it just reminds me of the relational aspect of all of this. And this is eternal life. So what is eternal life? I think many of us have heard sermons on this too, right? That, you, that they may know you. This is Jesus talking to the Father. They may know you, Father, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So he doesn't say that eternal life is living forever in this moment. That's a benefit. But eternal life having actual life that lasts forever is knowing God. And as I thought about this a lot and I thought about the way that I have failed and many of us fail in sharing the person of God with people. I thought about this this week. Imagine you had coffee with somebody and you just, or you just saw them in a coffee shop and we were just talking, we are having a good time and struck up a conversation said, man, that was a great time. Let's just do this again. And we did. We went and did it again. Then we started having lunch together and doing some things together. And then one day, you know, Seth's the person I meet. He pulls up in a Ferrari. And I'm like, dang, man, that's a, that's a pretty sick ride, bro. I didn't know you had this kind of money. But later on, I found out that he was a billionaire that had, you know, houses in, in, on the beach and houses on the lake and this huge mansion. Like, he's smiling right now because he's like, that sounds great. He's like, dude, I'm down with that. House in Murfreesboro, like his mansion, man, the killer four wheelers, Seth. This guy loves four and fire. He loves four wheelers and fire. If you don't, I'm helping you get to know Seth. He has a four wheeler with a pit on the back, a fire pit, and the fire pit's going while he's riding the four wheeler. That would be nice. Fireworks are shooting out of the back. You can just go light him on the fire pit and roam and candle it up while you're doing it. But you find, out this, you find out all these things about this person. But here's the reality. What was so cool originally, this is what you didn't get to know the person because of all these benefits. You got to know the person because you cared about them and wanted to know them. What I think we do unintentionally sometimes when we share who God is with people 
we just stick to sharing what the benefits are. So it would be like me saying, hey, you really got to know Seth because Seth has really cool four-wheelers. Seth's a billionaire. He's got a private chef. And with this private chef, man, man, she cooks the best food there is. Man, she is five stars. She's amazing. You know, you can go and you can vacation. He'll let you have his vacation home and all this stuff. And I feel like that's how we've often shared the gospel. We've shared this thing. Jesus can do this for you and this for you and this for you. All those are great things. But then what ends up happening is we never really know God. Like, I, I could ask people, do you know God? I mean, I know he's died for my sins. Like, but do you know God? Because Jesus is saying here that eternal life is knowing God. That's why Jesus and Matthew, they come to him and they say, Lord, we've prophesied in your name and we've cast out demons and we've done miracles. And he says, but I don't know you. They had the benefits, but their heart wasn't deeply connected with them. And he said, I just don't know you. That's a terrifying verse. I mean, it really, for me it is. Like, I, like oh, Lord. But it, but it draws me in a good way to the heart of the Father, to know God. God, I, I, there's awesome benefits that you give us. Yes, we can live forever. Yes, you have this incredible kingdom, and this is such a, uh, so important. The kingdom, oh, never mind. I can get all fired up about that. But at the heart of eternal life is us knowing God. And if we look at that with our each other, for us to be as one, we have to know each other. Know each other. Which requires us getting into each other's lives and opening up our lives where it's really uncomfortable. And Even Alice, I got to share some things with you this week, right? They're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. I said, yeah, of course I did. That's just the reality. But, like, we have to be vulnerable, right? I mean, that's, that's the reality. And then I open up and other people open up, and it's really, really cool. But knowing, do we know God, and do we actually know one another? And then I'm just going to read the last two verses of this paragraph. At least it's paragraphed this way in my Bible. <clears throat> but I like the way it ends here. Um, I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. So Jesus had a great glory before the world existed. He's asking the Father to glorify him in this. But you know what's crazy? In John chapter 12, this goes back to the right side up kingdom. In John chapter 12, Jesus says that he's going, I'll I'll just read this real quick. He's talking to Andrew and Philip at this Greek festival and he says, "Um, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. So he knew this was coming. Very truly, I tell you, so this is, what does it mean for him to be glorified here? Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Basically, he says, I am going to glorify the Father by dying. Like, and that really strikes me. Are we in such relationship with one another, so desirous of building one another up, that we're really literally willing to die for each other. Like if I knew that it was going to help Seth tremendously, if I were to die, would I, would I be willing to do it? Those who love their life will lose it. Those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So losing your life here, it's okay because you'll keep it for eternity. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will be my servant also. Whoever serves me will honor the Father. So we recognize, too, that our honoring the Father comes in us serving God. And what I love is that it doesn't say, um, back to 
chapter 17, I glorified you on earth by saying I glorify you. He says, I glorified you on earth because I did what you told me to do. Because I finished the work that you gave me. And God has given the church, not Stones River, the church universal, a a work to do. He has given us these things. And whenever we walk in that, and part of it is loving one another so the world may know, but when we actually do it, that's when the Father is glorified. When I preach about it, it's not really glorifying the Father. But it's when we take a step and actually do it. It, it, just, it reminded me when I read this, and I'll, I'll end, of the, the parable of the, the two sons, right? Where Jesus tells this parable and, and says, well, I told this one son, I told my sons to go out and work in my vineyard. He's telling this to the scribes and the, um, the elders. And it's about the scribes and the elders. But he says, I, 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 took my two son, I told my two sons to go out to the vineyard, and one of my sons said, absolutely, Dad, I'll do it. And then he didn't go. Then I went to my other, to my other son, responded the opposite way, and said, no, Dad, I'm not going to do this. But then he actually came and he worked in the vineyard. Which of my two sons did the will of the Father? Right? We're talking about doing the will of the Father. And he said, well, it's the one that actually did the work. He's talking about the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious people who with their mouths said, yes, I'm going to go do it. But then he says, guess what? The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom before you because they didn't just say it with their mouth. They actually went and did it. In fact, they denied it with their mouth, <laughs> but they actually went and did it. And so Jesus says that multiple, multiple times, that these tax collectors, these sinners, these prostitutes are actually getting, that actually checks, does a check in my heart. <laughs> and you go, am I being like these religious people that say a lot of things, but, act, but I'm not actually doing them? Because he says that those are the, the, those are the type of people that are going to get into the kingdom of heaven. And um, one of my friends was sharing a story. He was actually talking about this passage. And he said, you know, I started going to this barbershop. And this guy uh, I met, like, I don't know, months ago. And we started having these conversations about spiritual things. He was a very, like, nominal, maybe maybe Christian at first. But over time, Holy Spirit's worked on his heart. And now all of a sudden he loves God. And this guy drops the F-bomb like every other word he says. But this guy has decided that it is his mission to use his, his chair to share the kingdom of God with people. And he's effing going to do it. Forgive me, but you understand what I'm saying. Blah, 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 blah. And Sean said, those are the tax collectors and sinners that are going to get into the kingdom before the religious people that are just sitting around going to church. And that's going to be not great. <laughs> it's going to be, they're, they're going to do it roughly. Who did Jesus hang out with? They had swords and they weren't supposed to, right? They were packing. The, that's the kind of people Jesus hung out with. And they were the people that were in, inheriting the kingdom because why? They were doing the work of the Father, not just saying that they would do the work of the Father. Anyways, I love it. Let's be one. Let's be Let's do it. Very practically, this is, God has been speaking a lot on my heart for that. Who can I get to spend more time with? Who can I hang out with more? Who can I do more hospitality at my house? Who can I have lunch with? Who can I call? Lord, I know, you know. Lord, I pray, I just ask you right now, Father, thank you for showing us the relationship that you have with, with the Son in this, in this passage and how you are, you give. You give, you give, you give, and you receive, and when you receive, you give. And it's this beautiful relationship where you just care for one another so deeply. And Lord, I just pray that we would, that we would receive, that we would begin to walk in, in, in that, Lord. And I know that you are such a patient God, and I thank you for being a patient God, because oftentimes I take baby steps, and 
But I know that you're a God that, that enjoys as we take those steps of growth. The disciples made small steps of growth, and you just hung, at, you just hung with them because you loved watching that take place. So I ask right now that you would give us all just some practical Holy Spirit, some thoughts, some people that come into our mind. Maybe you've given us some of those, and we just need that gumption to go and do. Um, and I ask that if that's it, Lord, that you would give that to us so that we can, that we can unite even deeper. I know that we have some good relationships, Father, and I know that many people have them um, here. And by the way, everyone, this is, I love what Megan said last week. It's not just about being here at Stones River. It's all over. We are the body of Christ, not Stones River. So, Lord, wherever we're at, at our workplaces, Lord, or wherever, that we would unite together and show the world what it really means to love one another so that they'll say, well, I don't know what the deal is with those people, but Jesus must be something special. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.